Welcome to the EPSA podcast. The EPSA podcast provides convenient access to information on various EPSA events and opportunities, plus topics from different pharmacy fields that can impact us, the pharmacy students. This podcast series seeks to bring education and awareness that pharmacy students and future pharmacists need to provide the best care. Join us as we fuel our passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Prepare to learn more be encouraged and inspired. Hello and welcome to the EPSA podcast. My name is Sarah Mezani. I'm EPSA Publications Coordinator. And the topic of today's episode is a very requested one, specifically mental health. Our first guest of the day is Fatima Awil from Mental Health Europe. Fatima, first of all, to start the episode right, could you please maybe introduce us to the domain of mental health and all that it entails? Because I feel like people tend to have somewhat of a narrow vision of it or solely associated with a few more popular concepts, let's say. And we both know that there's so much more to it. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a really great question. We always refer to uh, the definition by the World Health Organization, which defines mental health as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her Uh, own potential and can cope with normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. And as Mental Health Europe, we really see mental health as an integral part of everyone's general health and that it's equally as important to physical health. So we kind of go beyond looking at mental health from a biomedical approach, which purely looks at genetics um, and mental health as a disease. Um, to rather looking at mental health uh, at, as, as something that everyone experiences and can be determined and influenced by their situations and the distresses that they experience throughout life. And also, of course, societal uh, factors can also impact one's mental health. So we, we take all of this into consideration uh, in the work that we do. We hear more and more nowadays about people experiencing some form of mental illness throughout their lives. Celebrities have come forward about their experiences, but also our friends, co-workers, family members. My question to you is, is mental illness becoming more common due to this busy, constantly on the run, stressful, modern lifestyle that we're leading? Or is it just that people have finally become more comfortable talking about it? I think that's... um... That's really a question that um, has many layers. I mean, first of all, we have to acknowledge that the unprecedented times of the COVID-19 pandemic has really intensified existing mental health challenges, it's disrupted services, and um, it's it's noteworthy to say that, of course, there's been increases in mental health problems due to the situation, you know, around the world and you know the, the consequences whether we look at employment whether we look at the stresses individuals have had to go through and it has to be recognized that more people have been talking about mental health about loneliness about anxiety during this period so there is definitely more um, talk more discussions more awareness around mental health but the challenge is that Whenever we're talking about mental health, we are still using old data. So we often say at least one in six people or 84 million people across EU member states have already experienced mental ill health. But that's from 
data from 2016, uh, from 2018 Health at a Glance report by OECD. And the challenge here is that there's a lack of data around mental health, disaggregated data, which we can pull out and really understand the situation across Europe when it comes to mental health. And uh, this, you know, often results in us relying on data led by researchers and organizations, but a lack of uniform approach throughout Europe. So I agree with what you've mentioned in terms of, you know, a lot of people have come forward about their experiences, raising awareness, talking about it, which is really great, especially for tackling stigma um, and um, approaching mental health as a human experience. But we need more concrete data to really have an understanding of the situation in Europe and beyond. Since you have just mentioned stigma, perhaps one of the most common misconceptions about people experiencing any form of mental illness is that they're either crazy or weak or attention-seeking. How do we put an end to the stigma surrounding mental wellness that is so harmful to all of us? Indeed. Firstly, I think uh, language is very, very important. So at Mental Health Europe, we tend to use terms such as mental ill health, looking at mental health as a human experience, as something that's, you know, an experience. So we are very big on ensuring that uh, people are really aware of the words and the consequences of the language that they use around mental health, because that has a lot of impact in terms of fueling uh, stigma and continuing it. So definitely um, having a better approach to language, more awareness, and also realizing that the words that we say really does have an impact, uh, a greater impact than we may think. On top of that, we, we really think it's important to educate people about mental health, especially at an earlier age. So this includes, you know, incorporating this to the education curriculum as soon as possible. I mean, we often hear about a physical first aid, but mental health first aid is something that many would not be familiar with or even be taught. So we really believe that education is important throughout all levels to really ensure that it's something that people are aware of early on. Because like I said, you know, parity of esteem, mental health is as important as physical health. So we should also be taught about it as well. Um, and also um, in order to kind of and stigma, there needs to be more work, more tailored work and highlight where the root problem is coming from. So that includes, you know, more specific campaigns, more resources, more educational materials to really support ending stigma. And alongside that, we believe educating and having a better understanding of mental health, which includes understanding the psychosocial model of mental health, is really, really important to fully grasp uh, and understand what mental health is. We first have to have the understanding in order to then tackle the stigma and the challenges that come with it. And also more work. We need more investments. We need more campaigns and more work coordinated at the highest level as well to really ensure that it's a priority at policy level as well. So I think there's, there's a number of things that we can definitely do. And of course, it's, it is really sad also to see on social media the language that's often used around mental health. But it just goes to show that there is more need attention on this topic. I definitely agree with you that choosing our words correctly and carefully is of utmost importance. Do you believe mental health is being treated at the moment as an EU priority or is there still quite a bit of space for improvement? 
mental health um, has not been prioritized at EU level to the extent that we'd hoped for. The lack of recognition has been a problem for a while, but on a positive note, there has been more awareness being raised, such as through uh, speeches, more recognition uh, by decision makers and stakeholders. During the 2019 uh, presidency council conclusions, the commission was actually invited to issue um, an EU mental health strategy. Since then, it's been over two years and a half, and this hasn't been followed up with uh, concrete action. Moreover, Mental Health Europe calls for an EU strategy on mental health alongside the need for mental health to be included in all relevant policies. There is a lot to do regarding the institutionalization, stigmatization, among others, such as the prioritization of mental health. So it's truly um, regarded as important as physical health. Also, funding is imperative for making this a reality. We have really a long way to go to achieve this, uh, but we will continue to push for and work with our members, our allies, such as uh, the MEPs in the European Parliament Coalition for Mental Health and Wellbeing, among others, to achieve this change. Thank you so much, Fatima. I believe all of us uh, understand mental health a little more now after this discussion with you. It's been a pleasure having you uh, on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Moving on to the next part of our podcast, I would like to invite our next guest, Daria Kukpoe from EAHP. Daria, first of all, thank you for joining us today. If you could start by briefly introducing yourself and your association to our listeners. Thank you very much for the invitation. I look forward to this podcast and collaborating with students. My name is Daria Kurutspoe and I'm a clinical pharmacy specialist in hospital setting in General Hospital Koprivnica, Croatia, where I work as a head of hospital pharmacy. Currently, I'm a director of professional development in EHP, which is short for European Association of Hospital Pharmacists from June 2021. This association is association of hospital pharmacists in European countries, and its aim to collaborate with a lot of uh, associations, which includes uh, students as well. We li- like a lot of students because you are future pharmacists, no matter will you end in hospital or in other settings or industry. But our main goal is the same for all of uh, pharmacies, so it's ensuring patient safety, but we have mainly focus in hospital pharmacy. In EHP, my primary interests are students, antimicrobial resistance, digital health, patient safety, drug shortages, and so on. Thank you, Daria. It's amazing for us to have you with us today, especially as uh, you mentioned, students are a focal point in your activity. And I would like to ask you, from your personal experience, how are pharmacists contributing to solving the raising issue of mental health that we hear more and more about these days? Yeah, that's true. Mental illness is unfortunately a long-lasting problem in which community and hospital pharmacists are directly and indirectly involved. This issue has risen even more since COVID-19. Health and other frontline workers, students, people living alone, and those with pre-existing mental health conditions have been particularly affected. Others have lost their jobs or had less income, and all of us had to adapt to a new normal situation, which has resulted in a lot of loneliness due to social isolation. 
On the other hand, restricted access to various types of healthcare as a key method for controlling the spread of COVID-19 has led to better visibility of pharmacists because we have been accessible despite these restricted measures. In these situations, pharmacists have shown a very great effort and compassion in lowering the burden of mental health all around the world. Pharmacists' biggest contribution is being there for their patients' need and helping them with pharmacotherapy advice. It includes providing comprehensive medication management and improving health outcomes for psychiatry patients. If we add the fact that the economic case for investment in mental health is strong, for every one euro invested in treatment for depression and anxiety, there is four euros return in better health and productivity. This means that pharmacists have been contributed to that amount significantly. Furthermore, the other positive fact is that because of the COVID-19 pandemic, mental health has moved up at the list of the global health priorities, as you pointed out at the beginning of your question, and unfortunately also the war in Ukraine will make mental health even more important. Do you believe it would be beneficial to involve maybe more pharmacists in the cross-functional teams tending to psychiatric patients? Or is it something that you feel European health systems are still lacking? Thank you very much for this important question. Just to put mental illness in better perspective, the estimated cost of the world economy is 2.3 trillion euros per year in poor health and reduced productivity in 2010. And the cost projected to rise almost three times to 5.5 trillion euros by 2030. Despite substantial advances in research demonstrating the clinical and cost effectiveness of pharmacological and psychosocial interventions to prevent and treat common mental disorders, delivery at scale and translation into real world benefits has been slow. It is important to mention that patients with severe mental illness die 10 to 20 years earlier than average. And unfortunately, we see this in our everyday practice. If we take into account that half of the mental conditions manifest by age 14, this is a devastating disease for the people in their best years when they can significantly contribute to society, but unfortunately are unable to do so due to their illness. Here is where it's crucial to involve hospital and community pharmacists, especially in transfer of care where patients are being discharged from hospital to community setting. Often these patients are feeling lost in everyday situations and need special kind of care. This care involves multidisciplinary cross-functional approach from the whole society, as you mentioned in your question. As I said in my previous answer, there will be now much more efforts in that area, which I believe will also involve more pharmacists in multidisciplinary mental health care teams. As pharmacists, we are, first of all, specialized in medicines, So how well do you perceive this treatment option to be working at the moment? Do we, in your opinion, have enough safe and effective options on the market? There are many treatment options available at the moment, but that is not enough as one-size-fits-all approach does not go here very well, as every patient is different, not just in their mental disease, but in the way the organism will respond to medicine. Moreover, as these are often younger patients, they do not want to be stigmatized from the society because of their illness resulting being not compliant to the medication therapy. 
They can also experience interactions or side effects. All these are some of reasons for stopping taking the medicine. There should be individual approach for every patient, despite being difficult to achieve this, as there is just one mental health care professional for every 10,000 individuals globally. As we can see, there is a lot that could be done by having more pharmacists and other healthcare professionals specialists in psychiatry disorders. I also support innovation for new medicines or other form of the same medicine for better patient compliance as it can be given once or a week or month. Another kind of innovations are complementary treatments such as relaxation and stress reduction techniques which I think that we all need these kind of uh, stress reduction techniques uh, now after COVID and this unfortunate war. As you very well pointed out, with pharmacist expertise in medicines and a trusted healthcare provider, compliance can be achieved on a much higher level. Since you mentioned that patient compliance could be an issue, could you maybe give us a little more details in this matter? Do you believe the current environment is facing issues such as under or over medicalization? And if so, how do we put a stop to them and how could we better approach patients? As I mentioned earlier, mental illness is still being stigmatized and medicines represent a major modality of treatment. With this being said, it means that a lot of medicines are prescribed due to reported or measured medicines inefficacy, which often comes from non-compliance. The better approach to patients could be achieved by involving more pharmacists with interventions, such as patient education and monitoring, monitoring and management of toxicity and adverse effects, adherence promotion, provision of written or visual information, and recommendation or implementation of changes or adjustments in medication. Good examples come from Australia and Canada, where community pharmacists are trained and remunerated for medication optimization and adherence, education and supporting people with mental illness to navigate the health system. Furthermore, as I already mentioned, it is important to connect hospital and community healthcare providers, including pharmacists in transfer of care. In that way, patients with mental illness have a comprehensive approach with optimal results. But we pharmacists have to put ourselves forward in order to be more recognized in that area as we are still not being seen as we should be. This includes asking for training in mental illness and doing studies which show pharmacists' contribution in managing mental illness. Therefore, I optimistically think that European health systems will recognize us and evolve us in cross-functional teams tending to psychiatry patients. Thank you so much, Daria. This has been uh, amazing. We received a lot of interesting information from you. And uh, I'm sure that if we have any students listening to us right now that would like to maybe go into hospital pharmacy, they would uh, like to reach you or maybe send you a message. Please do so. I would be really, really uh, open to the messages and you're welcome to send me the message, questions, wherever you like, and to uh, spread uh, your enthusiasm across European countries. Now, moving on to the last part of our podcast, I would like to invite Elpida Litra, a pharmacy student from Greece, that is uh, here with us today to share her experience surrounding mental health. Elpida, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I think it is amazing that you took this uh, initiative of sharing your experience with fellow young people, fellow students that maybe sometimes feel that they are alone in their struggles with uh, mental health. 
First of all, I would like you to introduce yourself to our listeners so we could welcome you with open arms. Hello, thank you very much for having me here and giving me uh, this chance to share my experience. I'm Elpida Litra, I'm from Greece. I study in Thessaloniki. I am in my fourth year of studies. I live here alone. Now, my next question for you is pretty straightforward. I would like you to walk us through your experience. Uh, when you realized that you might be experiencing problems with your mental health or what do you feel contributed to it? What do you feel helped? Really anything that you find important and that you would feel comfortable sharing with us? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, first of all, a very difficult time for, for me and I think for every student uh, in my university is the exam period because uh, uh, teachers uh, don't uh, give us assignments uh, in the middle of the semester and uh, they give us uh, you know, a ton of uh, things to learn. Also, another difficult uh, thing for me that is happening right now is, uh, you know, finding a professor for uh, making uh, my master. You know, our professors are really not, are not so approachable. And this is really stressful. And sometimes, you know, you feel he uh, helpless in uh, the university because you don't have someone to take advice from. Things that help me uh, through this uh, whole anxiety thing from university is uh, going to the gym or going for a walk or playing tennis, for example. Even when I have exams, I really want to go for a walk and uh, just uh, listen to music or go to the gym because I really need to do that. Also, another thing that uh, helps me is uh, going to the library of the university and study because I find other people there that uh, are having the same problems with me and uh, I'm focusing more there. Also, something uh, that was really important for me uh, when I was uh, at the first year of my studies it was to take part in different uh, volunteering teams. And uh, this was really helpful because uh, you, I met other people that were older than me and uh, they really helped me through many things. For example, I asked them about uh, something in, for an exam or something about professor. And it's really helpful uh, when you see that other people who are uh, having, uh, who had the same experience as you help you uh, because sometimes uh, you have friends outside of the university but you feel that they don't uh, they can understand what you're having uh, what uh, uh, you're passing through thank you very much i uh, definitely agree with you that human connection and uh, finding people to relate to is uh, one of the most important things this is part of the reason why we're uh, even recording this, uh, this podcast so that uh, everybody knows that they're not alone, that we all go through stressful periods, that mental health is very often not something that is constant in time, but something that can vary, that can get worse, that can get better, that there is always hope for it to get better, that uh, one of the most important things is to speak about it, to seek help 
and to not lose hope that uh, there is uh, no way of getting out of this situation and to not fall into judgmental patterns like considering ourselves or others um, weak or attention seeking or any of the things really that we were talking uh, about before uh, in the other parts of, uh, of the podcast. It has been a pleasure having you with me today. Yeah, thank you very much. And I also want to tell that uh, these problems that are really serious for us now in a few years are going to be, you know, some experience. So the problems are to be solved. I hope that you have uh, enjoyed this episode. Do not uh, hesitate to reach out to us on our social media channels, subscribe to our monthly dose, or uh, follow us here for uh, more interesting episodes on uh, hopefully a lot of other subjects that are of interest to students. Mm-hmm.